Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. What's on the shirt? Is that my line? Okay. <laughs> we are here today to put the her in the leave her. Believe her. You know, like, I feel like that's a feminist t-shirt. Believe her. Oh, just yeah. Just believe all women. I'm sure that just Hashtag just if believe. If I Googled that right now. Believe her. I bet you're going to pull up. Tell me what you pull up. Believe her. Believe her. There's going to be a website somewhere that's selling that. Oh, it's a hashtag. A hashtag. Okay. How do you spell it? Um, it's a song. Oh. Oh, it's so it's B E L I E V A T R. Gross. Yeah. It's gross. It uh. It's also yeah. So it's a song. Uh, yeah. I guess it's not really a. Well, what about in shopping? Shopping. There we go. Somebody's oh, made this T-shirt. The first thing mm. is little board books oh. for babies that's called baby believer but it's like what? psalms and of praise and but does it believe her no oh okay just baby believer it just doesn't yeah it doesn't uh, <laughs> we're not presbyterian it's not, it's not registering <laughs> it's not registering believe her a lot so okay so it's maybe not a shirt i guess I, I could fix that we could fix that if we really wanted right because now we have a store Shop. Yeah, but we're not going to make that. We're not, that we're not going to make that shirt. Okay, <laughs> fine. Okay. Hi, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. I was just trying to tell you guys about our store. Remind you, go shopping. Free shipping. Ten percent off after you buy. <laughs> what is it shop.sheologians.com i oh yeah. no i'm gonna do the same thing i do with our voicemail where i'm just gonna forget like the most important thing i need to tell you <laughs> the phone our voicemail number by the way is 470-465-0475 and yeah. am i right shop.sheologians.com okay thank if you goodness. go there um right now which yeah. is before it's launched <laughs> yeah it but by the time you guys hear this but by the time you hear this you won't have any problem looking at it no problem and it's gonna feel good on your eyeballs yep because it feels good on my eyeballs mm -hmm. anyway that's um, my you're right yep, yep. You are. you're right i am joy <laughs> um and we're following up for our summers that's right uh story time it's today. my turn her little i mean it was <laughs> We specifically kept it true crimey yes. this time. Yeah. Um, Summer's is quite a bit longer yeah. than mine was last I week. I am just so excited to tell you guys this she story. She has eight pages of notes. It's fine. It's We got this. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> I just wrote eight pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Those are the kinds of cases that that I love, yeah. but I just like couldn't, I couldn't do it this round. I have... Okay, I've watched the documentary three times. I have the book. Oh, I'm about. I haven't even seen the book. She just I'm not pulled it show out. You. I'm not going to show so you. The I book. still don't even know what it is. And I now I'm really have excited. the book. I've listened to the podcast. I've watched the documentaries. I've read the articles. I've been following. <gasps> Wait a minute. Do I know what that book is? I don't know. Do you? I don't know if you know. I don't know. 
really good. Can I just tell you now? I'm really excited. Do you know the story of Theranos? No. Oh, great. Okay. Well, you're about bit. to. I mean, I know. You A know, little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is the book. Okay. By John Kerry Rue. For a second, I thought it was... Um, Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. It looks, it's yeah, because it's similar. red yeah. and... No. Okay. The, bi- the cover on Helter Skelter is, is very, red. Okay. Yeah. No, this is not Helter Skelter. I'm going to tell you the story today of Elizabeth Holmes and her company, Theranos. It's truly unbelievable. All the information I got is so from... Interesting. It's really, really I've been good. wanting to watch the you have to watch. documentary. You have to. Although, after you listen to this, you won't even need to. Okay. So, great. There's that. Um, so, all the information I and have. And that goes for all of you listening. <laughs> if we find out. That you that watch the documentary this, instead of listening to me what, talk about it. Do you it, not trust that Summer's giving you listen, all the information? I distilled all the information down eight pages, into eight guys. pages of notes. Okay. So, all of my information is from Bad Blood by John Kerry Rue. That's the book. Um, the documentary that you can rent wherever you want is called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And then the podcast is also called Bad Blood. So okay. that's where I got all my information. The main thing I know about the story, yeah. other than, of course, like the basics of what happened, yeah. is that she has a really weird voice. I'm going to play you. I have a clip. Oh, good. I really need you guys to hear it. Okay. Good. People were, after the documentary came out, everyone was like, all right <laughs> okay what's it's going really on here? something um so yeah i again all of my information is from somewhere else i'm not an investigative journalist okay <laughs> just in case you guys thought i was a doctor we, we or are. an investigative we're journalist in, we're investigative journalists <laughs> don't let her tell you that we're not we're all not. right so elizabeth holmes was the ceo and founder of the company that she oddly named theranos theranos was headquartered in silicon valley that's an important part of the story and it was at the revered Stanford Business Park beginning in 2014. So other companies you have definitely heard of that were a part of the Stanford Business Park, Tesla, Facebook, Apple, they've all called the Stanford Business Park their home. Major players. Major players. And Holmes totally believed that her company would fit right in. Like this is, they're going to be a tech giant. This is where Theranos belongs. And in 2014, when they moved into the Stanford Business Park, Theranos was valued at 10 billion that's billion with a b dollars today it's worth less than zero so I'm gonna tell you about Elizabeth Holmes (laughs) she was the descendant of a Hungarian I'm Hungarian Oh, I don't know if I want to make that connection. Um, she was the descendant of We're related. A, mm, <laughs> she was the Hungarian of a descendant um, descendant <laughs> descended from a Hungarian immigrant and his name was Charles Lewis Fleischmann. Okay. And if that made you think of yeast, it's because basically every packet or bottle of yeast used in the US says Fleischmann. Right. In big red letters on yep. it. He is the guy that founded the Fleischmann Yeast Company. And because of that, he quickly became one of the wealthiest men in America. Right. Another one of her... When did he establish that? It was in the early 1900s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is her great... great, This is her great-grandfather. Cool. Um, Another one of her... Yeast empire. A yeast empire. Like, a lot of money. Like, literally one of the richest people in... Right families in the country back in the day when people actually baked their own bread right i mean you still if i if you want yeast the only option the i see in most grocery stores yeah. is fleischman yeah um another one of her grandparents is responsible for founding the cincinnati general hospital and the university of cincinnati's medical school 
She had. I just feel like there was a time where there was nothing in this country. <laughs> and so now, because I had to be born like so long after the founding the of the country, happened. then duh, of course I've not founded a school. I mean, if Cincinnati had a school to be founded, I would be doing it. So. Right. But we were just born. I was born at the wrong time. All the hospitals have been founded, you guys. Talk about privilege. (laughs) Oh, this this girl. It's easy to 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 build something when no other yeast companies (laughs) exist. She also had a West Point grad for a grandfather, and here here's another. I'm not even done. She had a West Point grad for a grandfather, and her family was very proud of the fact. They could trace their ancestry all the way back to one of Napoleon's top field generals. So they are the Stanford Business Park of families, yes, basically. They're the Stanford Business Park of families. She <laughs> came from a long line of overachievers. Right. <laughs> long line of them. Okay. Um, one of the kind of like very mythological stories you'll hear about her if you read the book and listen to the podcast and watch the movie, which you guys totally should after after this. Um <laughs> is that when she was um, little, somebody asked her, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, the question that everybody asks kids, what are you going to be when you grow up? Right. And she said she's going to be a billionaire, like without skipping a beat. She was like seven or eight. She's like, I'm going to be a billionaire. And the person was I like, I don't think I've ever even known a billionaire. That's probably why <laughs> that wasn't even. my answer. <laughs> I know. She's like, I'm just going to be like my parents. No, they were not billionaires. I'm sure they were millionaires, but they were not billionaires. Anyway. Yeah. So the person was like, well, wouldn't you rather be president? And she said, no, the president will marry me because I have a billion dollars. Oh, Everyone tells this story about her. Sassy. Like everywhere. It's like in the beginning of the book. It's the beginning of a podcast, beginning of the movie. Everybody talks. It's like a mythological story about her it's, for some reason. It, well, and it's, we, it's weird because it's, you could be, it's like if you ever do anything crazy that makes you famous or infamous or whatever, right, right. then all the stuff that really had no meaning or purpose in the rest of your life before suddenly uh-huh. has being in purpose yeah like, there are people like, who are oh, like all this happened because of this thing that right. happened and all yeah. of a sudden i want to know about your relationship with your mom <laughs> it's like no one's asking <laughs> right. me about that right no one cares about that <laughs> but the point is is that whenever people talk about her so like in interviews and all that stuff it's almost always like this mixture of like mysticism of like whoa wasn't that crazy but also like very like incredulous like oh that happened like also there's the kind of this like very two-pronged like a mixture of revering her and these things being very mystifying but then also just people being very skeptical and like grossed out a little bit it's really interesting to listen to the interviews but anyway so she worked super hard in school um she studied mandarin like she's fluent in mandarin (laughs) she ran track and field and of course she was accepted to stanford in the spring of 2002 it wasn't long after that that she dropped out of Stanford to follow her dream of becoming a billionaire. <laughs> that was all she wanted. She wanted to become a billionaire. Huh. Um, so another really interesting about thing about her is that, that will come up later in the story, is that she was obsessed with Thomas Edison. And so what most people don't know about Thomas Edison is, is that, that he was often a total and complete <laughs> Huckster. Yeah. He was the, you know, everybody's like, oh, Edison, the light bulb. That's what he did. Um, 
he did a lot more than that. Yeah. So he was really the first like celebrity businessman. Uh-huh. Um, and he actually gave himself a name. He called himself the Wizard of Menlo Park. That's how he wanted to be referred to. And when people, when he was young, people asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, a wizard. Uh, a wizard. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, he electrocute animals? He did a lot of really weird, really, really weird, really shady things. Yeah. Um, he had his name on over 2,000 patents. Yeah. And it was basically a given that he was always promising more than he could deliver. He claimed, so an example of that is that he claimed in 1878 that he had solved the riddle of the incandescent light bulb, but that wasn't yeah. true. His filaments kept melting. And what was even more interesting that I found out is that when investors and like people who wanted to buy wanted to see the bulbs, he actually found a way to fake his demonstrations, which I don't totally understand all the ins and outs of that but he faked it right because it's like if you could fake it then didn't you kind of solve the problem right but i guess and then you would get more investors the... and you know so he totally faked it until he made it i mean he did eventually make it right but he faked it first and so anyway when holmes started the company theranos at the age of 19 mm-hmm she named the machine that they were making the Edison. So that's why I bothered right. to tell you. She was really into yeah. Edison, and you're going to hear me talk about the Edison a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. It's when you're going to hear some similarities between <laughs> you're her gonna, Yeah. And... Just keep all this in mind. Yeah. It's called foreshadowing. Um, so <laughs> another thing to know about her was that Steve Jobs was her hero, and she only ever wore black turtlenecks, yeah. just like Steve Jobs. She claims that... You know, she's been doing that since she was seven, but okay. Um, anyway, beyond the black turtlenecks, if you look at, like, photos of her, she would, like, pose like Steve Jobs did mm-hmm. with her technology. So, like, the way Jobs posed with the iPod was, like, iconic. Yeah. And she posed the same way with some technology that her company made. Um, you know, she moved into the same office park, and she actually got Jobs' right-hand man to come work for her. So Avi Tavanian was Steve Jobs. I mean, he was the right hand of Apple for years and years. And because he had, quote, made more money than he knew what to do with, um, he retired. And he was retired when a headhunter from Theranos got him a meeting with Elizabeth. By the end of their meeting, by the end of their one meeting, okay, this is Apple's right-hand man, more money than he knows what to do right. with, retired. By the end of their meeting, Avi had come out of retirement and said goodbye to something like $1.5 million in Apple stock so he could be a part of the board of Theranos. One meeting. Wow. Kissed goodbye, all of that. Anyway, it was not long with Theranos before Avi noticed some serious problems and he didn't end up being with the company for long. So that was very short-lived. But anyway, I want you guys to hear. So what is Theranos? I want you guys to hear in her own weird words what Theranos is. And I want you to hear this very heart-wrenching story that she told over and over and over about why she started the company. So let me make sure my volume's on. There we go. Holidays with my uncle. I remember how much he loved the beach. I remember how much I loved him. He was diagnosed one day with skin cancer. 
which all of a sudden was brain cancer and in his bones. He didn't live to see his son grow up, and I never got to say goodbye. The right to protect the health and well-being of every person, of those we love, is a basic human right. Over the course of the last 11 years, we've made it possible to run comprehensive laboratory tests from a few drops of blood that could be taken from a finger. And we've made it possible to eliminate the tubes and tubes of blood that traditionally have to be drawn from an arm and replaced it with the nanotainer. Okay, so you see her holding the little nanotainer. Yep. That's the thing that she posed with that was on the cover of magazines and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, okay, so... The problem with everything she just said, and that was a talk that she gave, it was a TED talk. Mm -hmm. The problem with this was that nothing she just said was true. Right. And because of that, Theranos is completely empty now and is no longer a thing. Okay. So she's talking about laboratory blood testing. And I remember hearing, I remember in, it was somewhere in the like 20, 2009, 2013 window hearing that... Um, pretty soon, you were not going to have to give vials of blood. You weren't right. going to need needles for all this stuff. You and I was basically like, like prick your finger. And yeah, it's... and that was it. Um, and so, I mean, she's it's true. So laboratory testing has not actually changed a lot since the 50s. Like mm -hmm. since we got the ability to draw blood and test it, not much has changed. And so Theranos wanted to disrupt that industry. Like Holmes wanted to revolutionize it. Quest and LabCorp control 80% of the blood testing market. And so Holmes, with her Edison machine, the whole idea was that they were going to take control of their share by changing the way that blood was drawn and tested. They wanted to bring it into the new millennium, which, you know, is a great idea. I mean, if that were a real thing, that'd be great. Right. One of the big ideas as well that made this popular was the idea of personalized medicine. So you get these snapshots of what's going on inside your body in a very quick and easy way yeah. that would give you insight into what your health needs are. And, you know, she would tell that heart-wrenching story of her uncle dying from cancer over and over. Um, and she would ask the question, what if my uncle had access to something like the Edison that would have been able to catch these things early? So mm -hmm. it's it's obviously very easy to sell this idea, the right. idea of personalized. It's a product that everyone would want. Who doesn't to, want to that? Exist. Right. Yeah. It's personalized medicine and you can take control of your health in a way that you've never had before. And so the whole idea behind changing this was this idea of nanotech, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you didn't have to get stuck with a needle and that from a single drop of blood, you could do this wide range of testing. And so this is actually kind of in a way, something she'd been obsessed with for a while because when she was at Stanford, she was, had become just captivated by this idea of building something that would change early detect like early detection and prevention methods so she came up with this idea of creating a patch and this in theory sounds great this mm -hmm. is like oh yeah that'd be so great so she has this idea of a patch where you could 
you know, you put it on your arm or whatever, and you could sample blood and detect an infection. And if you detected an infection from that same patch, you could deliver antibiotics. If that were to exist, that would be right. really cool. The thing is, is that it's physically impossible to do this for a couple of reasons, but she was obsessed with the idea anyway. Right. Um, antibiotics don't work that way. Nanofluids don't work that way. Antibiotics aren't potent enough for something like that to actually work. She brought it to a professor at Stanford and her professor was like, this is not a thing. Right. Like this can't you, happen. This is in theory uh, this is a great idea, but it can't happen. It's not a thing. And so what Holmes would do is she would just like tweak it and then come back and come back and come back. And the professor was like, no, no, no. And she would just do it anyway. Eventually she filed a patent on it, even though like there was no real technology there anyway. It was crazy. Is there a lot of people out there trying to steal the patent for things <laughs> that are not physically possible? Who knows? Well, maybe in that identical case, twins I'm, were. I'm going to put a patent out on <laughs> right. anti gravity chambers right. <laughs> because I want that to be my thing. Yeah. So her confidence and her tenacity were a part of why it was possible for her to lure incredibly smart and talented people to her cause. So we've already told, I've already told you. Avi Tavanian, obviously just a giant, a titan of industry. It took one meeting for him to... Well, she's obviously, she has her... I guess, so if you were someone, you were like, I want to be a billionaire. Uh-huh. You'd be like, okay, so I need to do something that is going to make me a billion dollars. Right. How do people make a billion dollars? Well, they sell something. Right. And so really what she did is she... Like her biggest uh, talent was selling, was, uh, becoming this person that yes. was very likable. Yes, that sounded like everything she just said. Yes, was curated. Yes, because it wasn't real. Right. So she curated this speech Idea. and this the way she said yeah. it and the way she presented it and right and her body language and even like I had heard that her voice she would like intentionally lower her voice because she she denies she thought, yeah, yeah she denies this claim but I mean you guys heard her voice it was she does have a and this is coming from someone who has a voice that falls on the lower end of the female her voice is not <clears throat> she sounds like she's intentionally making yeah. it lower like this a lot of people have speculated and I, I don't know how that could possibly be her real voice but anyway I guess it doesn't, so yeah. some of the other incredibly powerful people that she lured to be a part of her board and a part of her investing team um, other than Avi Tavanian uh, General Mattis oh. the formal, former Wells Fargo CEO Dick Kovacevic Henry Kissinger, Bill Perry, George Schultz, who was formerly Secretary of State, Secretary of Labor, Secretary of Treasury, the Clintons. I mean, just think of the most powerful, rich people in the world. She got them to be a part of Theranos. She got them to give her mm. money and to, not all of them were on the board, but to join the board. I mean, it was- They it, were involved. Who was involved in this, com com in this company? And she was able to sell them a thing yes. that she had made, which was herself, yeah. her brand. In her early 20s. Right. Okay. So wow. investors were drawn to her as a person. And part of the reason that is, I think, is because data doesn't really tell a story like stories do. 
right? So we've talked about this before about how in terms of like, we talked about this when we're talking about empathy, where it's like you show someone some data, they don't really have much of an emotional connection, right? right? But you tell them a story, right. there's an emotional connection. And so Holmes knew how to tell a story and she played on emotion. People said she was like, it, being around her was like being around gravity. Like she was just able to get people to trust her because she projected this like incredible amount of confidence and people were really convinced if you listen to to people who were around for this when they give interviews they will tell you like they really believe she was like a once in a century type of a figure um kissinger henry kissinger said she's an excellent businesswoman who has a sort of ethereal quality she's like a member of a monastic order and that's henry kiss like that's a world leader okay this is someone who he sees the cream of the crop in terms of like business and success and power. And that was how he described her. So hmm. it's really, really interesting. Um, so there was a lot of secrecy around Theranos. Um, when she finally allowed a journalist for the New Yorker, Ken Aletta, to run a piece on her and what Theranos was doing, um, basically she nobody wanted him to come to the Theranos offices, um, but he was persistent. And when she finally let him come see the Edison machines, she made him promise not to describe the machines in his piece. The machines were down in the basement. And when Ken Aletta asked her how the machines work, he said that she was, quote, comically vague. Here was her explanation. <laughs> this is comically vague. A chemistry is performed so that a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample, which is translated into a result, which is then reviewed by certified laboratory personnel. She added that thanks to miniaturization and automation, we are able to handle these tiny samples. What? So basically she just described how any... <laughs> any scientific test takes place. That was her description for but a small. big time reporter. It's like science, it's but si small. It's science, but small was what she just said. Okay. <laughs> so at this point, I need to introduce you to another player in the Theranos drama, and that is Sonny Balwani. So Balwani was the COO, the chief operating officer of Theranos. He was a really successful tech guy in the 90s, so he had a lot of money. His expertise was in um, IT and software engineering and stuff like that. And he and Elizabeth were together. He was quite a bit older. They were dating. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was quite a bit older than her. But I was going to say, I was like, why would he keep the secret? And he then, was there you go. Yep. Okay. So he was quite a bit older than her. But he really revered her and he really saw her as like this amazing inventor um, that was really going to change the world. They lived together in Palo Alto. Alto and worked together in Silicon Valley, but they kept their relationship very like low, low key. They didn't okay. talk about it. They were very hush hush and they were very hush hush. And I mean that in the way that they didn't tell their investors that they were in a relationship hmm. and they definitely didn't talk about their relationship about at work. That. Yeah. So the employees knew because they would see them come in together and leave together and they would get on jet planes after work and right. um, they would fly around the world selling Theranos and getting investors together and people were like yeah they're we know you're together but it was like <laughs> a, the worst kept secret so eventually anyway in 2010 
Balwani and Holmes got the attention of Walgreens. There were some problems, you know, so they wanted to get the Edison. Basically, the idea was the Edison needed to be as available as possible. It needs to be within like five miles of every person's home in America so that people can have true access to personalized medicine. And this how they were going to do it was they were going to get it into places like Walgreens and, you know, places like CVS, places that are everywhere. Right. So you could basically just. You can do this whenever you want it. Walk in to your local whatever. Right. The problem is a machine that doesn't work. Right. So the problem was that the Edison machine, there were a lot of even when they had the attention of Walgreens, they landed Walgreens, even though at this point that they landed them, the Edison machine couldn't regulate its temperature, which is a very important thing when you're testing blood is temperature regulation when you're testing for any kind of anything in anything temperature is very important um fluid couldn't be transferred the design was always changing um the fact that the fluid was inside of an enclosed machine was still a problem because blood would spill and then it would get gunky but you wouldn't know that it was happening because it was in this enclosed space um a lot of the people that were donating blood so that Theranos could develop the machine and be testing it were people off the street. And so their blood wasn't like their blood was being tested for, you know, diseases and things like that. But then people building the machines would have to stick their hands in the machines and the needles are in the machines and glass was breaking and there was blood everywhere. It was just a huge mess. Like pieces of the machine would fall off. Um, centrifuges were known to explode inside of it like full of blood high risk blood high risk blood um of course no one wanted to see uh of course theranos didn't want anybody to see what was happening and so what they would do when they would have demos so they're they're courting investors they're courting Mm -hmm. companies like walgreens things that they were trying to sell to is they would bring the people in and they would do a finger stick and then they would put the sample, you know, they do the finger stick. So instead of drawing intravenously, they do the finger stick, they'd put the sample in the Edison machine and then they would walk the investors or the executives out the door to take them to lunch or whatever. Mm -hmm. And some lab tech would come in the room, take the samples out of the Edison and run them downstairs to an actual lab and do the test the traditional way so that they could actually get results and they would pass it off to the investors. They'd come back, you know, after 45 minutes, an hour and be mm-hmm. like, oh, here's your results. Here's what the Edison told us or whatever. So while the website, their website said that they could do over 200 tests, they weren't they weren't even close to capable of doing anything near that. Right. I mean, everything was just super busted. So the tech was nowhere near working. The investors were being swindled and the people working inside Theranos were trying to make everything work. They would, you know, they would say things like, um, people working on the software end of it or whatever, they would come to Balwani and to homes and they would be like, Hey, can we make the box bigger? Like, can we make the Edison bigger? Because Mm -hmm. the box itself, like how small it was, like it just wasn't, it's not physically possible to run a large amount of tests in that tiny amount of space. And so a common response they would get would be something along the lines of, well, maybe you're not a Silicon Valley type of scientist. Maybe you just don't fit in here. Like, you know, if you're saying this isn't going to work, then maybe this just, maybe you're not, you shouldn't be a part of a tech startup. And that was the response that they would get. (laughs) Maybe you can... If you're not really willing to just push the bounds <laughs> of what's possible... Right. 
Right. They would be like, maybe you can work somewhere else if you don't believe in the vision of the company. So that was a pretty common response. And one guy testified, he was saying in the documentary that, you know, they were in a meeting and, and he, they had hit this huge wall where like basically they could not move forward with this technology mm-hmm. until they scaled this wall. And so he calls this meeting to deal with it. And they spent hours instead trying to name the cloud that they were going to upload all the Theranos information to. And they did end up naming it Yoda because Elizabeth was obsessed with Yoda. Like, obsessed with Yoda. Very weird. Anyway, so all of that was happening. And um, the things happening in terms of, like, how the business was run was getting weirder and weirder. So, like, you had to have a key card to go anywhere in the building, like, anywhere in the offices so that you would be tracked um, it became obvious to people over time that their emails were being monitored. So, like, they'd send an email to Sonny Balwani, mm-hmm. and then Elizabeth Holmes would reply to it. Kind of a thing. Oh, okay. Where it's just, like, very employees were being, they t- they're saying they're being keystroked, which means that everything right. they were typing was right. being monitored. Um, everyone was having to sign NDAs yep. just all the time. They weren't allowed to even talk to their families about what they were doing at work. Paranoia started to grow and different branches were shut off from each other. So the chemistry, like people working on the chemistry were siloed off from manufacturing and the engineering team had no idea what the chemistry team was doing and everyone had to be separated. And this was all coming down from, from the top. Hmm. Um, so, one of the times this really came to a head, and this is a really sad, sad story, but the story of Ian Gibbons, he was the first actual scientist that Theranos hired. And he was a Cambridge PhD. He was brilliant. Everyone loved working with him. I mean, in terms of, in, in the field of blood testing, like Ian Gibbons is like... The guy. It would be like saying Michael Jackson. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I know who that is. Right. So if you're in the blood field, it's right. oh, Ian Gibbons. Yeah, we know that guy. So, of course, he was working at Theranos because mm-hmm. all the most powerful, influential right. people were. And um, everyone loved working with him. And it went really far south with he and Elizabeth over time. He was at the company because he loved the science and because right. he was an expert. And what they were doing, what was so frustrating was that what they were doing inside the company was so many miles away from being actual working science. Yeah. Um, you know, he was that no person that no one was allowed to be. He was saying, no, this isn't going to work. No, this isn't going to work. And so he would bring up issues with the process. And over time he went from being like the head guy, like overseeing this process to a guy who didn't even have an office. Like at one point Elizabeth fired him and Sonny brought him back on was trained. I mean, it was just really bad. And he was very upset with the things were going because the Edison's couldn't do anything they said they could do. Right. You know, the website saying we do this, we do that. And the Edison could do none of it. Right. And so eventually um, in 2013, he was deposed to testify in a patent case that Theranos was involved in. And he was so nervous about it because he knew that telling the truth would cost him his job. He started drinking heavily, and in 2013, he took his own life. Oh, my god! Rather than be deposed. Yeah. So, that happened in 2013, and also in 2013, Theranos went live. Walgreens made a deal with Theranos, and they came. They were going to roll out slowly, and guess where? They started rolling out in Walgreens. California. Here in the Valley, here in Arizona. Oh, really? Yep. Theranos. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Theranos was here in Walgreens in Arizona. Um, 
And if you would drive, if you drove by Walgreens, you would say signs, you know, it says things like the blood test that needs just a drop or mm. the lab test reinvented. And so even though the Edisons weren't legally allowed to be in use, which, so you're thinking, how did Walgreens roll out all this? Like, even though the FDA hasn't approved it, they're not allowed to be in use. They basically came up, oh, Jojo, I'm sorry. Everything is going to be okay. Um, they eventually came up with a plan where Walgreens would gather the blood and ship it off to a lab and get the results that way. So they weren't even getting the results from the Edisons. It was being gathered and then shipped off. So no blood test was being run in an Edison from just a drop. But even so, despite the fact that this was an, a huge ruse, this deal with Walgreens actually attracted more investors who believed the messaging. So Rupert Murdoch put up $125 million. The owner of the New England Patriots put in millions of dollars. The Walgreens rollout ultimately brought them 400 million new dollars. Walgreens R&D department, the research and development department, helped make homes even more popular by hiring Errol Morris. And if you are into documentaries, things like that, you know him. He's very famous. And he launched an incredible marketing campaign for the Edisons. And it was like people telling their stories about how this cheap pinprick blood test, you know, could change lives. And it would basically remove all these barriers, taking control of their health. I mean, it was all story. Except for you still had to give vials of blood and have it sent to a lab. That's right. So it didn't take long, although it took shockingly too long. Right. For the wheels to come off. So Elizabeth actually lobbied here in Arizona to allow patients to order blood tests without a prescription. So basically the idea was you could order your own blood work and get your own results. Yeah. Typically you have to have a a doctor orders them for you. Right. So the problem with doing this yourself is that you're not a doctor and you can't just look at a lab and understand exactly what's going on. Right. So, and part of it also is that you have to look at the whole patient. Like you have to know how to read blood work as a holistic thing right Right. um you have to be able to know well what does this level mean um what is it you know if my tsh is at a certain level okay cool but that means nothing to me i'm not a doctor yeah um and so doctors were trying to tell their patients that theranos wasn't being very transparent as well with how they were doing their testing so which this affects how lab results can be read so from a medical perspective it was just getting really dangerous that patients were relying on these tests and at one point this employee test like was saying that they fired a lab manager so the place that was testing all this blood the lab that was actually like not doing the job that was doing yeah the lab manager was fired and replaced with a dermatologist just to have someone anyone running some sort of medical medical background yeah so scientists began to wonder as this was getting more more story but it was also damage control yes she was working it was i'm sure she can you imagine how stressed out she was all the time Mm -mm. that's what i i wonder and i'm not convinced that she was actually we'll We'll get into that some people aren't yeah so scientists were like, how is there, how have, how did Theranos manage to miniaturize 200 plus 
tests and, and make it cost so much less. Like, how is this possible? Like, the whole thing was so unbelievable. You know, it was unbelievable. All the people that were a part of the board, all the people that were giving her money, the science that was being claimed. Like, it was all just unbelievable and huge right. and, like, crazy. And it seemed impossible that the science worked, but it also seemed impossible that she could have all the money and support she did if the science didn't right. work. Like, surely it works because... Because look at... Yeah, all X, of, Y, and Z wouldn't be involved, and they wouldn't have made millions of dollars. And, how is it in Walgreens if it doesn't right. work? And you know, whatever. Okay, so this guy, we're gonna call him a whistleblower, goes to John Kerry Rue. He wrote this book, sitting next to me, Bad Blood. He's a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. This guy goes to him and said that he was being pressured by one of the most high-powered lawyers in the country. His last name is Boys. I don't, he did a lot of shady things. Um, he was being pressured by this lawyer to be silent about the fact that the Edisons didn't work. So John Kerry hears this and he immediately flies out here to Arizona. Because I'm sure, I'm sure that everyone had signed an NDA at this point. Everyone, everyone. Like if you had ever even yes. looked at the Edison, you had oh, signed an NDA. Oh, you've signed an NDA that, yeah, you traded your soul <laughs> to look at it. Right. So John Kerry Rue hops on a plane and he comes out to Arizona and he goes to a Walgreens that Theranos is inside because he wanted to hear if this was true or not. Like he right. he needed to know. And as it turns out, he was stuck with a needle, not a pinprick. And it was just right. a regular old butt blood draw. And yeah. that was what got him into mm -hmm. really looking into like, this. Hmm, there is something going on. Something here. is going on here. So after about a year of being inside Walgreens, a whole year of being inside Walgreens, they were almost 100% using needles, a regular old blood draw. Like all the, the <laughs> marketing around it is like pinprick, this and that, da, 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 da. It's just a normal blood but test because draw. Every, well, and because of like how much wiggle room did HIPAA laws give this? Because you... You can't just have your blood drawn like out in the middle of nowhere. Nope. You have to go into a room. And so all the person has to say is like, oh, something's this and this. Well, here's and what they said. I have it. You'll never know. Here's that what they said. Everyone's hearing that. Theranos was telling the Walgreens people to say this script. Due to the tests that your doctor ordered, we have to perform venipuncture to make sure that we have enough sample to perform testing. Would you like to proceed? And that's what they were saying to almost 100% of the people coming in. Right. So, and so even if you thought, like, why are they not using the Edison? I wonder. It's it, probably just like, oh, but you not, don't. You it's don't not because you saw a line of people not using right. the Edison. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So for most tests, they had to do it the old established way. But Holmes was going on TV saying that they had streamlined it and they made it this automated process. And it turns out. So much bad science was happening behind closed doors and so much energy was being put into hiding what they were up to. That's basically what the company became. Right. That results were being fudged intentionally just to give the illusion of the system working. So people were running tests on devices that they knew weren't working. So this was obviously bad for morale. One, one employee said that it got really, really rough when they started offering tests for infectious diseases, because essentially what happened was that they knew the tests weren't accurate. So they knew right. that something like 35% of the time, the results they were giving weren't accurate. And anyone who is involved in this company has at least the tiniest amount of wanting to help. 
right. people right. who mm-hmm. are ill. Right. And at most, you have declared verbally upon becoming a doctor that you will not harm. cause harm. Right. So right. this is not so well. Horrible things were happening with patients who like have hormonal issues, right, right. and who have to stay on top of the stuff because their labs were starting to just vary wildly, and the patients didn't understand what was going on, and that could lead to people doing you know changing their medication improperly, right. like all kinds of things. And internally, there was a lot of angst over this. But when employees would confront Sunny or Elizabeth. They were basically just told to be quiet and do their work or they would be shuffled into like a new department or they would be fired. So finally, this is where the walls start to finally fall. Right. It can only last. This can only last for so long. So Tyler Schultz, George Schultz's grandson, says in the documentary that he would leave work and he would be like, this is terrible. This has to stop. I can't keep doing this. This isn't working. This is dishonest. And then she was so close with their family that he would he would end up seeing her outside of work at like family dinners and stuff. And she would just be able to convince him that, no, this is good. Everything's okay. It's actually working. You're just seeing it wrong. Things are being revolutionized and it would pump him up like she was so able to turn it around that he would go back to work the next day and be like, yeah, let's do this. She literally had (laughs) her billion dollar pitch on she had a billion dollar pitch like yes okay so ultimately the fda wouldn't approve the use of the edison because obviously there wasn't anything for them to approve <laughs> like right. this wasn't a thing it's just, if i showed up to the fda with a tube and i go you put somebody in this and they get better they'd right. be like what do you want me to they would do be with like this? approval denied <laughs> yeah. um so they, Theranos was playing games with the FDA and the CMS, which is a federal agency in charge of clinical labs. So the CMS was regulating Theranos at the time because they had a clinical lab. But the thing was that CMS didn't know was that Theranos wasn't giving CMS the Edison results. They were only giving them the actual lab like results. Lab results like the, well. they were running the tests on the Siemens machine, which is what most tests are run on. Um, but they weren't doing that with the patients. They were giving patients the labs from from Edison's sometimes that they knew weren't working. So at this point, Tyler Schultz goes to his grandfather. He goes to his why grandfather's office. Just, if you were going to scam people, why wouldn't you just scam them all the same way, which is pretend a machine is doing the work. Right. And then do the work <laughs> in a regular way. I don't know. Why would you scam them by... I don't know. Also using the machine that doesn't like, oh gosh. I know. So Tyler goes, Tyler Schultz goes to his grandfather's office at Stanford and tried to show his grandpa what was happening there. And grandpa was just like, well, Elizabeth is changing the world. Elizabeth said this is happening. Elizabeth is changing the world. So a few months later, John Carreyrou, the reporter Mm -hmm. who wrote the book, actually contacted Tyler and was asking questions. And Tyler was stressed out because he had signed NDAs. Yeah. So Tyler went and got a burner phone because he wanted to help Carrie Rue. Mostly he wanted to help his grandpa because he's like, listen, right. my grandpa survived all these yeah. scandals throughout the 80s and 90s. But this one, you know, he really wanted to protect his grandpa before. Well, and this is what it takes. This blew up. It takes someone who's willing to say, 
yes, I signed something that but, I would right. saying that I would not say anything. Right. But I have to say something. I have to now. say something. <laughs> so not long after Tyler gets a burner phone, talks to John Kerry, Rue, all that, he goes to have dinner with his parents and his dad confronted him and was like, Have you been speaking to a reporter? And Tyler was like, Yeah. And his dad was like, Well, they know. And other reporters How do they know? Well, other employees report being followed around at this time, like having cars parked outside, just like people following them, all this stuff. And so Carrie Rue had been trying to get a meeting with Theranos forever. And finally he gets the the yes. Finally he gets the meeting, which is really just a meeting with like, I think his name is John Boys, that really powerful Mm -hmm. lawyer. Um, And so in June 2015, he meets with this team of law people and Carrie Rue he said that he felt it was clear that they were treating this like a deposition and at one point Carrie Rue said is there really new technology and he never got a straight answer he knew at that time already because talking to people from inside the company that most their blood tests were run by third-party companies so he was like how can how can this technology be a trade secret if if these tests aren't being run on Theranos machines and this one lady, she was a former Hillary Clinton aide, by the way, was like, you know, it just feels like you want us to give you the formula for Coke. <laughs> like that was their answer. That was anyway. So meanwhile, George <laughs> Schultz. <laughs> I know. Except for Coke, there's not a problem. I know. You taste it. Does, it it's not, it tastes good. And it's fine. And <laughs> yeah. If you, if Coke tasted like, urine then you'd be like what's going on (laughs) (laughs) so while all that is happening george schultz tries to get his grandson to sign a confidentiality agreement because schultz still believed in theranos and he still believed in elizabeth but he didn't want tyler to be ruined and theranos ended up dragging tyler through court to the tune of half a million dollars in legal fees because he told the truth about what he saw he violated his nda or whatever he had signed right exactly So finally, it all started falling down because another woman stepped forward to be a whistleblower. And between she and Tyler, more and more of what was really happening um, was coming out uh, and starting to be exposed. So uh, even though they were talking to different companies and all this stuff in July of 2015, Theranos got the FDA approval for one rarely used test (laughs) of herpes to be used on the Edison prototype. And so somehow that happened and they were like really celebrating and all that. Um, But the financial state of Theranos became super tenuous when Walgreens started pumping the brakes on their relationship because it was just so obvious that, I mean, they weren't using the Edisons. Like this wasn't a thing that was happening. Right. So when the Wall Street Journal ran their article, Theranos has struggled with blood tests. (laughs) That was the Theranos has struggled with blood tests. It really, really, really marked the end of the beginning of the end. So it was uncovered publicly that the Siemens machines, the machines that most tests in the country ran on, were running most of Theranos' tests. That was the bell that couldn't be unrung. So Elizabeth and Sonny, though, maintained that this stuff was said, all the stuff said in that article, you know, wasn't true. And they were going to take that misinformation head on. So even though it became public that all this was happening... Right around the same time, Holmes went on to be inducted into the Harvard Medical School of Fellows. Yeah. She kept traveling and speaking and preaching the goodness and quality well, and of the worked. Edison. It kept working. I mean, it, 
the Edison doesn't work, it but keeps working. for some reason her sales pitch keeps working. So I mean, I mean, why? Yeah. So anyway, she kept traveling. She kept speaking. She was going on major news networks. She was going to conferences. She was totally exposed, and she just kept lying. And so what's really interesting is that a lot of people interviewed for the documentary. They when they talk about this, they aren't convinced that she knew she was lying. Some of them who were close to her say that Mm. they believe that she was just a zealot and that she really believed in what she was doing. Like, they're not convinced that she goes to bed at night, like, thinking about the lies that she's told. Like, she truly, they would say, some of them, that she truly believed in the mission of the company and that they were on their way to great achievement. And she was doing... I believe. Right. I think she did. She believed that because sure. she thought that just like Thomas Edison, if she just sold it until it worked. Right. Her plan was to just sell it till it worked. Right. But at some point, you know, you hit this wall. And at some point you have to face the music. Right. <laughs> essentially. If, if it's not, if it doesn't work and right. you've been selling it too fast. Right. Then you're going to hit. Right. You know, and so I have this little clip I'm going to play of something she said basically after everything was exposed. This kind of gives you a little bit of insight into her thinking, and it's super interesting. Let's see if I can get it to work. Achieve the impossible. That's not her. Here it is. And then sometimes they're successful in doing it. Why can't you? Did I pass it already? Sorry, one sec. At the highest level, we didn't have the right leadership in the laboratory and I didn't realize until the inspection that these types of issues were in place. So until the government told you that you were really out of compliance, you didn't know. Yeah. What was your reaction when you found out that you had all these violations in your lab? It it was devastating. (laughs) But there's multiple testimony. It was devastating. She knew. Right. No, she knew. And she absolutely knew. Yeah. But she knew. I mean, I, when I said I think she really did want the company to work, right. I meant she really wanted the company to work. She wanted to be successful. Right. She just tried to sell it before. She tried to sell a product that wasn't there. Right. No, I know. So by 2017, Theranos had paid over $300 million in legal fees. Half the board resigned. Sonny and Elizabeth broke up and she fired him. In 2018, Theranos was dissolved, and both Sunny and Li- Elizabeth were charged. You can't break up with me. You're fired. <laughs> uh, I mean, it probably felt good. It probably, it probably. I mean, like, I mean, it's insane. If, if you, it's just insane. like if you ended your relationship with someone, and then you also got to fire them. Right. That could be. Right fun yeah depending on the type of person you are it's totally it's totally (laughs) insane um so okay so in 2018 theranos was dissolved right so then both sunny and elizabeth were charged with conspiracy and fraud so the trial is set for july begins july 28th of this year and if they are convicted they will both receive prison sentences up to 20 up to 20 years a $2.75 million fine and potentially even more in terms of restitution. And this gives me a weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. The hard drives that 
federal prosecutors have given to the defense in terms that with discovery on it contains more than 20 million pages of evidence against them. 20 million pages. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to be watching this trial <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Me too. And that is... What make what do you, how do you think they'll, I mean, I don't know that they'll get away with it, but do you think that they'll kind of get away with it? Like, do you think they'll actually be jail time? I mean, I absolutely, there's no way they're getting away with this. There's no way, right? But do you mean like, like, are they actually going to prison? Are they actually, I think, I think they'll end up doing something like 18 months or something yeah i think they'll do something silly what about just like probation silly or, like that yeah. i don't know then again they did really bite the hand i mean like they conned the most like powerful people in the country right. so right i think something to remember which shouldn't which shouldn't make a difference but I can't even. It does. <laughs> I just, I can't even. I think for me, one of the things, one of the reasons I can't look away from the story, one of the reason I, I've watched the documentary and read the book and listened to the podcast and all that stuff is I just, it's so shocking to me how people are willing to rationalize right. things that are obviously wrong if they think they're doing it for the right reason. Yeah. So everybody was willing to overlook and ignore the wrong that they were doing because they felt they were on a worthwhile mission. Right. And so that is just Well, and then somewhere pew. in there communication damage controls like stopped happening. So some people may have been like suspicious and then there was all of a sudden they were cut off from different right. workers in the company and right. they're like well I guess this is just kind of how it is now right. and you were just kind of left to like speculate right. a lot of people were probably like their hands were tied legally I mean yeah and I think it's just I don't know it's something to think about it It makes me reflect you know we were kind of talking about this um, when you told your story of just how like it's a very immature mindset to think that the ends justify the means. Right. And that's a very unbiblical way to think. But a lot of people confuse it with being loving and being wise and caring. Right. But really it's very unloving and it's, it's sinful. You don't sin, 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 sin to get to a righteous conclusion. Right. Um, and in the documentary, this guy tells the story of, of testing when people are willing to lie or not. Mm -hmm. And there is this test that it, it's, it's very clear. And this happens across all ages and cultures and generations is that people will uh, not feel bad for lying if they think they're doing it for a just right. cause. And so it's like, when you hear something like that, I think you need to do an, your own inventory. Like what, in what ways am I doing this? Is there something that I am, not honest about because I think that it's bringing about a a righteous thing. Right. But at the end of the day, that's not how righteousness works. Right. And this is just like a huge caricature of that. Like right. all these people involved, some of like the smartest, most successful people in the world out billions. I mean, multiple right. billions of dollars because they, they, and even though they saw all the problems, they were they just wanted to believe that something good was going to happen right so they were willing to overlook all that and i just think it's like it's shocking like it's just a shocking right. 
but yeah it really goes like it it's there's a very interesting lesson in psychology mm-hmm. here yeah which is that I don't know. There's something to be said about someone who's in good company. Yeah. But you can't. (laughs) Well, and I think, too, you know, all the people talking about how they're not convinced that she believes that she was lying. I from listening to enough of her, I understand what they're saying. Right. I'm not convinced that she thinks she was lying. Right. She doesn't think that she was lying, not because she was uninformed. She doesn't think she's lying because she has literally disconnected the part of her brain yeah. that makes it wrong to lie. Right. Because, because she the ends needed, justified the means. Right. Which could have been making a billion dollars. Right. Like, right. Let's just keep in mind right. <laughs> that, that, um, there, there is a, it takes a certain type of person yeah. to con. Right. And that type of person generally, they don't, they don't care if they lie because the means justify the ends. And if they like, if right. if they think that it justifies right. the end, then it's there was then this, it does. There was this line in the book here that I just thought was it just really struck me and made me giggle. And I knew I should have highlighted it and shared it with you all. But basically, it started and it was just really half of the sentence that I loved. And it said, Elizabeth's loose relationship with the truth. And I just thought, isn't that, yeah. isn't that it's telling? the truth to her. She <laughs> believes she was telling the truth. But the biggest point to make is that right. she doesn't really care what the truth no. is. Because whatever right. suits her is what the truth is. Is the truth. Right. Yeah. We're not dealing with someone who has a lack of understanding of what the truth is. No. We have someone who's redefined what it is. Redefined what the truth <laughs> is. That's right. So anyway, that's the story in a very short distilled form. Like I said, I got all my information from Bad Blood by John Kerry Rue, um, the documentary, uh, The like Inventor. You, I feel like you gave like a great amount of information okay. to like interest people Right. And going to watch. Right. Because even though they know the story now, they can still oh, you gotta go watch. be amazed at. You got to watch. I just think. And obviously I skipped a lot of information, but yeah. you guys got to watch. It was really, um, it's really something else. And the, um, the podcast as well, Bad Blood is super interesting. So give it a listen. So that's it. Hey, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. You can check out the Sheologian store. Get yourself a mug or an apron or a t-shirt or a sticker or a phone case or a poster at shop.sheologians.com. Yep. <laughs> I did it. And that is it for this week. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Oh, is my song going to play now, though? That's the is question. Is it uh, Bad Blood by Taylor Swift? I thought about it, but I didn't do it. I thought I would just. It's too on the nose. (laughs) Oh, I have that colorful circle going right now. Oh yeah, (laughs) spinning rainbow (laughs) wheel of death. And then everybody's gonna be like, "Is the song worth it?" Oh, look, you guys, it's a non-responsive application. That's just where we're at. Oh, just Apple Music. (laughs) Not a big deal. Avi Devanian should not have given up his shares. You know that off-the-wall application (laughs) you play on your MacBook. Can we hum them out? I don't know what the song is. Um, the same song we did last week. You know, walking after midnight. Oh, okay. How's it go? 
Matthew probably thinks we've gone insane. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>